0: What I do feel like I want to share this morning um, is, uh, I would entitle it, do not miss out. Do not miss out. Um, and I think there is something of that, that like, there's almost this danger that we get stuck into a specific way or specific per- perception of something, and we are, we're in danger actually of missing out when that happens. And uh, I felt the Lord begin to speak to me through that. And it's actually, it was quite interesting because as he began, as I began to prepare, I began to realize, and this kind of follows straight off of what Dimitri was preaching last week and shared last week. And he kind of took us into, into acts. As Jesus went up, he said, they, they what did he say? They, they looked... They longed and they lived, right? I think that was it. Eh? They gazed and there was a sense of anticipation. And then I want to I take us into Acts 2, 1 to 22. It's just after that, actually. Um, it's just after Jesus has gone up into heaven and what actually happens in that. And I want to maybe read Acts 2, um, so Acts two, 1 to 22, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it and i just pull out some things what I feel the Lord is doing. Because I do feel like he wants to prepare us for something, but we got to, he wants to, the word of God is almost inoculate us against Unbelief and like uh, yeah those those type of things. So let's let's jump into that. Acts two one to twenty two. It's quite a long portion of scripture, but I'm going to give us it gives a great context in that. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled their entire house where they were sitting. Now Jeff was playing around. He didn't. If you know that, that was my exact scripture. But that was like, imagine that, like they were all together in one place in the sound of rushing wind and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and it... And at this sound, the multitude came together. So they all came together at the sound of the rushing wind and obviously the spectacle of what was happening. And they were bewildered because each was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who were speaking Galileans? Because these were pretty simple guys, right? They weren't well-educated. They weren't um, um, fluent in speech. They were just very... I think they were pretty rough guys, most of them, actually. (laughs) And now that you've got educated people from all over the world going like, you know, they're speaking in our language. Um, uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Um, Pragya, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrenes. Um, A visitor from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. Um, We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And we were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. And then Peter goes on to say, but Peter, stands up. And he says, with eleven, the with eleven, he lifted up his voice and addressed them. He said, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you to give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves knew. I love that. It's, I just want to sketch a little bit of the context of that. Imagine this, right? We go right to the beginning. It says, They were all gathered together. In one place, and it says their entire house. And I often used to think—I'm not. This, I mean, this isn't a fact, but I used to think they were gathered in like the upper room. Um, but actually, I've, I've been to to Jerusalem. I've stood in a temple, and that house—that word "house" there in the Greek is actually it's oikon, and it's often used and referred to as the house of God. Interesting. And I, when you put the picture in context, understand multitudes of people. How could there be multitudes in a little upper room, like? And, and it was the time of Pentecost, or Shavuot. And um, all the people from all over the country had come together. So, like, Jerusalem is bustling. And at about that time, it was the time of morning prayers. Guys, they would, they would still go to the temple, and they would pray every morning together. So, my picture of this is they were actually gathered together in Solomon's colonnade, in, in, which is the outer courts, in a sense. They would come together. And I've been there. I've stood there. And right, because interestingly enough, you talk, a little bit further down the line, and says, Peter stands up, and 3,000 people were saved that moment. And they were baptized. He said, repent, be baptized. And they took them out, and they baptized them. Now, how would you baptize 3,000 people? Where are you going to baptize them? This is in the middle of Jerusalem, right? Right at the base of those stairs of the the temple in Jerusalem, there are mikvahs. Mikvahs are called ritual baths. That's actually the word baptism comes from that. Like, tons of them. Because ritually, the people couldn't go into the temple Unclean, They would have to wash themselves before they came. So they could literally get saved, go straight down the steps, and they could baptize those guys. It just begins to make sense. When you stand there and you look at it, it's like, oh, okay. Anyway, I just thought I'd share. I mean, it's not, we don't know that for sure, but this it begins to make sense, right? Because these multitudes come together. They're praying, and the Holy Spirit falls, and he gets up, and he stands. And 3,000 people, I mean, imagine, guys. Imagine that. Then he goes on to talk about what happened in the people. What is that experience that they felt? Um, and maybe I just want to share this too. I, I was, the, the, maybe the significance of this time was quite interesting. Is, um, it was the time of Pentecost. It was called Pentecost because the, actually the Greek Jews gave it the name. Pente means 50. It was 50 days after the Passover. And it was the, the Jewish festival of Shavuot. And it was the Festival of Weeks. And what happens at this time, it's interestingly enough, the Jewish people would often read the story of Ruth. You guys know the story of Ruth, Ruth and Boaz, okay? And how Boaz is the Redeemer of Ruth. Okay, now right there, there's a picture, a beautiful picture, of how Jesus is our Redeemer. How He goes outside of His immediate family, in a sense, and He draws in and He grafts into the vine. It's a beautiful picture. That's the, one of my favorite stories, actually. But it's interesting how, why, they share the, why they share the story. I don't even know if the Jews actually know really why they share the story. They've got some traditional ideas about it. But interestingly enough, one phrase caught my heart. It was, Boaz went above the requirements of the Lord to provide for, for, for Ruth. And you know the picture, you know, when Ruth is gleaning from the fields before she even becomes, uh, before he even redeems her. She's gleaning from the fields and he says to his men, he says, Leave her some extra behind. Leave sheaves of wheat for her that she can pick it up. So she's not just gleaning, he's actually leaving an abundance for her. And how amazing is that story? You know Jesus when he leaves, when he goes back into heaven, he says, I must go, but I'll send another. It's, like, it's almost like the story of Boaz. He goes, I'll leave an abundance, the life. And that almost is a picture of life and abundance and sustenance. And that is the exact time the Holy Spirit gets poured out. It's interesting that it all kind of happens at the same time. This picture, this story, and the Holy Spirit gets poured out because the Holy Spirit is that abundance. He is that life. It's impossible without Him. And I just, I love, I love these parallels and these pictures and these things that happen that we don't even, sometimes we don't even understand why. Um, but in that story, let me, sorry, I forgot to put my, I could be here all day talking about these things. But the, for me, what really stood out in this thing is we are living in a time, a Joel-like time, actually. And I've read into this, and I, the, the the prophecies of Joel, you can kind of you can pin them to Jesus dying, you know, just before Jesus coming up. But the nature, again, it's what what SDN was saying. It's not exactly always as it seems. Sometimes these prophecies are, are they cyclic. They kind of they ongoing. They kind of happen. It's a bigger picture that has been prophesied, a bigger picture that has been been shown here. And the time, then he says, "We this is the, this is that." Peter gets up and he says, "This is that. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh." And we actually are still in that time. And it's almost like like Dimitri preached last week. It's like oh, this expectation. It feels like Jesus is coming back sooner. Well, it's definitely a fact. He's coming back sooner than he was yesterday. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. But there is this urgency that seems to be building. And I think there, there's that, like, it almost felt like just before he came back, like, read the signs of the times, as even um, Haman was saying. Like, and I think there's this, this urgency, this urgency in us for that. And I lost my train of thought now. So we're living in a Joel-like time. Um, and what do we see? He says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And I was actually chatting with, with Chris. He's, I know this has been on his heart. He's been spending so much time in Joel. And he's just like, this is, this is a story of revival, actually. And it really it is. It really is. Because revival comes to his people through that. Whether they get taken back into Jerusalem. Whether, whether it's just before Jesus comes and then just after Jesus. And now we're in that same story. And... Um, Maybe I want to bounce, just bounce back a little bit as we go back into that story of Acts. Because it's see, Spirit is freely poured out. But what happens when that happens? What happens when the Spirit of God is, is poured out? Like, and I think that is what I want to talk to us a little bit about today. Because I think... We were talking about, we're praying about outside, even outside just before the meeting. You know, we hear about what's happening in the States. We come often with an idea of what God's, what it's going to look like, an idea of what it may look like, or a hope even in our hearts for what we think it's going to look like. But I almost, I want to prepare, a, first of all, I just want to dismantle that because we don't know. We just don't know. So I want to dismantle that, but also... Move us, because this is what it says: the people were amazed, they were perplexed, and some even mocked. And our, my hope is that some of us that we may we all in the danger of this. I mean, Brian even said it: like you know, you, our first thought of what's happening in the states could be judgment. So, is are we, are we that's mocking actually? And I hope that as we look at some of these things, that the Lord can move us from mocking. So maybe perplexed is okay because you're not quite sure, but amazed actually, amazed and thankful and grateful for what he's doing. Because some of you guys, I know some of you guys have been around for a long time. It was around in the, the 90s when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened, and I know we were talking about some people with gold teeth and dust on their, gold dust on their hands and that type of thing. Some guys were there when that happened and some wild stuff went down, eh? I don't even want to ask Jeff to get started on that. <laughs> but some of us have, not, have only been saved a couple of months, maybe. And we have no framework for that, even. It might be quite scary if something like that had to happen. Like, whoa. So I'm wanting to actually speak to us on all levels, actually, those who have experienced it, because maybe I can give you, give you some tools to help if things do get wild that you've got some tools, or when they get wild, well. <laughs> that you've got some tools to help disciple those into it. Show them in the Bible. And for those of you that maybe have no framework for this thing, so maybe I can even ground you now a little bit just in the, the, the wildness of God sometimes, how He does some things sometimes, but to actually remove that perception, that preconceived perce- perception. Does that make sense? Because we're, remember we, we talk about it, we're a family, we're moving forward together, all of us are in this together, and we all want to move forward together in him. We don't want to get like offended and, and, and run. we't want to have a, we, don't, we, we need to have an understanding for these things together as we move forward, and a freedom to talk about them and speak. Is that all right? All right? See those who mocked missed it, and this is this is so interesting for me, just like The Jews missed Jesus. It's quite interesting. It's just after Jesus died on the cross. But jesus they expected Jesus to come as the militant Messiah, him who would overthrow the government. He did overthrow the government, just not the government of this world. You understand? They were looking through a different lens. They were looking with expectation of a preconceived idea of what it would look like. It didn't happen that way, and they missed it. They missed him. And I hope that we are not a people that miss it. I, I'm, I was, we were praying earlier, and I just had the sense, like, Lord, I don't want to miss it. I don't, let us not be a people that miss it. I don't want to be the one. It speaks about in Revelations, of he stands at the door and he knocks. That's talking about the church, the Spirit of God. He's standing at the door and he's knocking. He's wanting to come into the church. But those who lead the church keep the door closed, and they keep the Spirit of God out. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be keeping the Spirit of God out of this. So I was like, Lord, come. On. I don't know how it's going to look, but we've got to hold these things lightly. And uh, so maybe it was quite interesting. We've mentioned a few times what's happening in, in the States at the moment, in Asbury. Is it As? How do you say it? Asbury? And I listened to a testimony of a young guy, and uh, he comes there. He's quite a charismatic young guy, and he's sharing. And He, um, he comes. He said it was quite interesting. He walked in there. And his expectation of what revival was going to look like was not met at all. He looks around, and he's like, you know, what what is, you know, what is, nothing's happening. It's like, anyway, so he goes, he goes, and he feels the Lord call him to the front. He goes to the front, and he starts worshiping, and then he he feels the Lord, says, look to your left, look to your right. And he begins to show him a young man, an old man praying for a young guy, a lady praying for another, like just the interaction and the saints, the hunger, and he says revival. And it was a love, I loved what he said. He said revival is hungry people coming. Because huh? what is revival actually? Revival is let's let's talk about it in the very practical sense of things. If your body is not nourished, if you're hungry, you want you go somewhere to eat, right? I said we were praying earlier. I said if you're thirsty and there's a glass of water on the tap, a glass of water on the counter, like it's just stupid to look at it. It's not going to. F- you want to go and you want to drink, and it's it's there it seems to be the, the the spirit of the Lord is calling people in. It's very different. I even looked at it. I'm mean, just being honest with you. I even looked at it and I said, "Well, that kind of looks like a tame gathering." i was <laughs> hey, just being honest. I mean, we like it didn't look like anything, but God is doing something. And actually, as we we're singing that song, thank you, God, that you're doing something. But I mustn't get into my box that I know what it's going to look like. It might look I'm trusting he's going to do something, yeah, you know. But we need to get out of our preconceived ideas. I don't know what it's going to look like. It might look like it, it, might not. But I do want to cover some of the things that maybe can happen when the Holy Spirit falls, that we're not all freaked out and run out the back door. <laughs> because, and I'll give you this example, this story. Maybe we had an elders meeting this last week, and we were actually talking about some of these things. And Luke, you guys know Luke from City Bowl. He's the City Bowl congregation, and. Uh, One of A lady gets up in their meeting, and she felt like she had a word, and it was Elder's wife. Elder's wife gets up, she felt like she had a word, and uh, she starts sharing, and all of a sudden, while she's sharing, she shrieks, and she hits the ground. Now, I mean, if you've been saved a week or two, like, that's freaky. I mean, actually, you don't even have to be saved a week or two. You can still, I mean, Luke was sitting there going, is this a demon? Is this the Lord? (laughs) What is going on? Like, and and he, in that moment, he realized he had to get up, and he had to help the congregation understand what was going on. Because some people in that moment could get so freaked out that they don't understand, and they clo- they actually close their hearts off, they withdraw themselves, and they're gone. They're, it's It's all in the Bible, like we can, but we need to sometimes give just, we need to give a theology for what happens and why it happens. We need to have an understanding for these things. Make, making, am I making sense? So, in a sense, I'm, 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 I'm wanting to do that in, in, a sense, in a way with us, that we do have an understanding for these things. And, and it's not a. Yeah. So, let's have a look. Sometimes, what happens when the Holy Spirit rocks up? Let it, so, I said this let it be said there are going to be questions, right? What are those questions going to be? Is it God? Is it demonic? Or is it the flesh? Is it man? Those three questions. Those are the first questions that have come to my mind. I'm even sitting there going, I mean, even as an elder, I'm like, sometimes you know immediately it's the Lord. I was like wondering what this is. But I want, to, I want to say, I think the answer to that question is it is God. Even when the demonic's exposed, and I'll explain, I explain why now. So let's have a look. What happens? Let's look at the picture of Jesus in the garden. What happens? I think it's John. 18 verse 6. Jesus says, I am he. What happens? They fall back. Like there's this revelation of who Jesus is, and these guys fall back flat on their, on their backs. There's a moment of power. So people will fall sometimes, sometimes not. In the presence of God, it says there's the fullness of joy in Psalms 116, right? So what's a fullness? When there's fullness of joy, it means it's overflowing. Can you, if you're full of joy, can you contain yourself? You laugh. Sometimes people laugh. Lisa and Margo and Monica love laughing. <laughs> and should we get freaked out? No, we don't have to get freaked out. We don't have to judge. We just talk, hello, oh, I don't know what you're doing.
1: Joel 2 says, turn back to me with weeping and mourning. People will weep. People will cry. People will be cut to the heart.
0: When John saw the vision of Jesus at Patmos, he fell down as if dead. Imagine that. We're in worship and just everyone just hits the deck. Dead. What? I'll be like, that'd <laughs> be pretty cool. But, but this is, I mean, this is the Bible. He sees Jesus and he falls down as if dead. Every knee will bow. Isaiah, Philippians, and Romans say that. People will bow. Paul was struck blind when he saw Jesus. Quite interesting. I wonder, like, who know? I mean, like, we put him into this box. I mean, we, somebody gets struck blind, and we want to pray for them to get healed. Maybe it was the Lord. I don't know. <laughs> Zechariah was struck deaf and mute, but he didn't really
1: believe. But still, it's the Lord that did it. And uh, old Ezekiel. Let's talk about Ezekiel because
0: this is crazy. Like, go and read this. Go and read Ezekiel from chapter two till probably about chapter four or so. And so imagine this now in worship, and it says the spirit lifts him up. Okay, now this is going to happen to anyone, right? It's the spirit of God. Spirit lifts him up. Like you check this out. Get up while we're worshiping. Then it, says, and then it says, a couple of verses down, it says, e- eat, the, the Spirit says to him, eat. And he opens his mouth, and he gives him a scroll. He puts a scroll in his mouth, and he stops. So imagine you in worship, and the oak's like, like, you know, look at that oak like, it's, what's, what's this oak on? <laughs> then it says, the Spirit sends him out, and he goes in bitterness, in anger of spirit. In the New Living Translation says, bitterness and turmoil. So imagine that you're in worship, like, and you check this oak storm out. Like, he just looks angry, looks. Good deacon, good chase them. No, you're right, you're right. But, like, I mean, this is kind of out of our framework, right? It's a little bit different. I mean, that's what I'm trying, I'm just trying to show us. We, we don't know these things. Then, he goes and sits with the exiles for seven days, overwhelmed. Like, I don't think he said anything. He just sits there seven days. With these guys. Oh my goodness. Then, in Ezekiel 4, he's got to build a model. So he builds a model with bricks, and he's got to lie on his left side for 390 days, bound with cords. Like, if we had somebody doing that in our midst, well, how would we be responding to that? We'd be a little bit freaked out. We'd probably be praying for, the, like, for deliverance, right? No, you're not bound, you're free. No, I'm bound. <laughs> like, it just, that's what, do you get it? That's what happens with our, with our thinking. Oh, my goodness. Then he gets to that, lie on the right side for 40 days. Then this is the worst. He has to bake his bread over human poop. I know. That's, I think at that point, at that point, he was like, Lord, I can't. I'm out. And the Lord said, his gracious he comes to him, and says, Okay, you can use cow dung. <laughs> you can. So now this guy's got to bake his bread on. I mean, guys, if we had somebody in our midst that was telling us this and doing this, how would we be, like, responding? Like, is this the Lord? <laughs> at this point, let's be honest. At this point, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Bless you guys, Sam and Lynn. Love you lots. eh? (laughs) So, so, yes, at this point, we're probably trying to cast demons out the guy, right? I mean, any spiritual Christians looking at this thing going, come on.
1: The next question is, is it the demonic?
0: So this is, I mean, guys, this is God at work in all of these things. So we we can't presume to know how he's gonna do things or what he's gonna do. And I'm really just trying to break our framework. I'm not telling us how it's gonna happen. I'm just, to, I'm just trying to take a hammer and smash the framework. We don't know. Then we ask, is it the demonic? And I, I wanna I wanna my answer is yes, sometimes it is the demonic. Is God involved in that? Yes, because where light is, darkness must flee. At the revelation of Jesus, the demon shrieked and they, and they ran off. I've heard in worship, just worshiping, people manifest and scream. And, and, and should we be scared of those things? No, we shouldn't be scared of those things. It's just the kingdom of light breaking in and expelling the darkness or revealing and exposing the darkness. And that's the kingdom, man. That's
1: what we're here for. We actually want to be seeing those things.
0: Good question, because that was, uh, Luke had to explain that with his guys, because he actually, I think it was a bit of a demonic manifestation. Good question. A lot of people say God, Christians can't have demons. That's why can, a Christian, can a demon have a Christian? <laughs> I do believe that we can have open doors in our lives and maybe it's not full possession or anything like that. There's oppression and there's areas in our life that haven't been surrendered to Jesus, strongholds. Sometimes demonic activity or spirits are tied to those things. And yes, Christians can go undergo deliverance, most definitely. Margot will tell you all about it. <laughs> She's got incredible testimony of that. Spirit-filled, loving Jesus. Something was manifesting and it left. It's part of the process of salvation. It's part of the process of of being we're set free, but we're being set free as well. You know? So when we when these things happen, just come and ask. Like we talk about them. We so I mean that's a whole teaching on its own, really. Deliverance, the demonic, and those type of things. But yes, it happens. In short. (laughs) Man, is it man? Is that the flesh? Is that for attention? Well, if it's for attention, that's, that very thing is rooted in sin and it's demonic. So, you can put man in, under the category of demonic if you really want as well. Sorry. But yes, man get involved, does get involved. Man does taint that which God is doing often. Does it mean we've got to throw the baby out with the bathwater and all leave now offended because Johnny was, I don't know, shaking on the floor and it was actually Johnny just shaking on the floor? <laughs> no. We want to move because we don't know. We also, we can't always judge. We want to move from the place of mocking to rather perplexed and amazed in our hearts. And um, so I hope this morning, I've, I've been sharing a while already, but I hope this morning that as we see some of these things, as we maybe just open your eyes to some of these things, just to craziness of the way, how God moves sometimes, that we don't become judgmental, that we don't become presumptuous. Because if or when the Holy Spirit gets poured out, when a revival happens, we don't know what it looks like. It could be dead quiet. It could be crazy. But to have an understanding that the Lord works in mysterious ways sometimes. and um, We spoke three weeks ago I think it was three weeks ago. Remember I shared that story that that, uh, I preached on not settling? Remember those two and a half tribes that settled? I felt like the Lord was calling us not to settle, but to possess the promised land. Here's the thing. When the Israelites crossed that river to possess the promised land, every battle was different. As soon as they presumed from the last battle and tried to apply the same school of thought or thinking or strategy to the next battle, they lost they had to be in step with the Lord. They walk around, the, walk around Jericho, comes falling down. I, they first lose the battle because there's sin in the camp, then they go back and they fight it a different way. Northern territories, they take a different way. The southern, and there's this constant Gideon, like there's this constant back and forth in the way they fight their battles because they were led by the Lord. And we need to be a people. If this is the, our story, if this is what the Lord is saying to us, if we have been called not to set, we've been called to possess that promised land, that inheritance, this is our story. Each battle's different. Every time, even when we arrive on a Sunday, every Sunday's different. Every community's different. I don't know what the Lord's going to do. And so you have to hold that in our hearts lightly. You guys, am I making sense? And then it says, and Joel, yet even now, Return to me with all your heart. Rend your hearts. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And further on it says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord is saved. And this is only made possible through Jesus. But even if you go and spend time in that prophecy, if you read that, there is an ex- oh, the Lord is extending his arms to you saying, Return to me. Come back to me. And if you don't know Jesus, if you, maybe you know who Jesus is, but maybe you don't have a relationship with him. And the Lord is saying, all who call upon the name of the Lord is saved. And Jesus died on the cross for your sins, for my sins. He was raised again on the third day. And now, because of that, we have an eternal existence, an eternal life with God the Father in heaven and Jesus. How amazing is that? And and. For us, really, the, first of all, we need to have an understanding as if no one here this morning has a relationship with Jesus, there's an opportunity. The Lord is going, return to me, return to me. Call on my name and you will be saved. He's standing with his outstretched arm saying, come, I love you. My love endures forever. My goodness and my kindness are drawing you in. And if that's you this morning, I'll, I'd love to pray with you later. I'd love you just to come, maybe come and speak to me afterwards. I'm not going to ask you to respond right now. I'm going to ask you to come and speak to me afterwards. Sometimes i ask you guys to respond. Immediately. But actually, I'm going to ask you later. Maybe just come and chat with me or Jeff or just one of the elders. Because today, he wants to start a relationship with you. But maybe for the rest of us, if we feel like what Brian, there was something on what Brian said. If we feel like our hearts have maybe become cynical, maybe hardened, we've allowed them to drift a little bit. And even towards the moving of the Holy Spirit or what happens or we've become a little bit, not disconnected, but a little bit standoffish. The Lord is saying, return to me. Return to me. Maybe you've been hurt. And he's just saying, return to me, because his love endures forever. He will heal you. And maybe this morning I'm going to ask us if we can maybe all stand and we can just pray. Together. You know, it says, I think it's in Isaiah, it says, I will reassign, I was talking yesterday with someone about it, I will reassign desolate inheritances. And I do believe we can walk, we can walk out of that thing and lose that. But God, He can reassign those things. If we soften our heart and return to Him, He'll give back those inheritances. And I, I feel, if the, for this morning, if there's anyone here that you felt like you've withdrawn your heart, if you felt like you've hardened your heart, you've maybe become a bit cynical, And the Lord this morning is wanting to extend grace to you and say, I will reassign your inheritance to you because I have a plan and purpose for you. I have an
1: inheritance for you. So, Father,
0: I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that your love endures. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just come and speak to hearts right now. If there are hearts that have been hardened, become cynical, judgmental towards the way you may do things. or Lord, I pray that you would come and tear down our presumptuous ideas or preconceived ideas, Lord Jesus. Lord, that we would be a people that actually we hold everything loosely, so loosely, Lord. We come with open hands, humble, low, going, Lord, do only that which you can do in the way you want to do it. We don't presume to know how that's going to look. But Lord, we desire to see your will done, your kingdom built, your spirit poured out. People coming to know you, Jesus. People taken out of the darkness
1: and thrust into your marvelous light.
0: Would you do that, Lord? Lord, I pray that you would come and do an incredible work. You would pour out your spirit, Lord. I pray for testimonies, Lord Jesus. I pray that we'd continue just to keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, Lord, of just what you're doing and how you're doing these things, Lord God. But That we would not fall into the trap of becoming stuck on one way. There is only one way to to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. But Lord, the way you do things sometimes looks different. The way you work things out sometimes look different. So would you come, even right now, and speak to our hearts? Speak to our hearts.